Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. I believe that uh, we are in such a prophetic crossover season. And part of that means that our way of operating in the past has got to change. It means that our wineskins have got to stretch. It means that things that we were comfortable with before, God's going to mess with our comfort zones. And so if you're not aware of your season, you'll quit too early. And I found this, that the prophetic helps you to prepare for what's coming. And so you are not disillusioned by trial because you know tribulation is a product and not a, an outcome of revelation. And what I mean by this is most people think that trials and tribulations are an oddity. So they say things like, why me? And my answer is, well, why not you? You know, uh, would you prefer it with somebody else? The reason it's happening is it's not happening to you. It's happening because of you. And this is something we all have got to come into the understanding of. Revelation is a setup. Nobody ever told you this, so let me tell you this right now. If you receive a prophecy tonight, go home like this. Because revelation is a setup. Revelation is a setup for tribulation. This is why Paul told Timothy, remember the prophecies that were given to you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, because prophecies are a setup for tribulation. If you don't believe me, remember Jesus when the heavens opened, and he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he was led into a wilderness where Satan challenged him on the revelation and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So had there been, not been a revelation of sonship, there would not have been a tribulation of sonship. Are you getting this so far? Revelation is a setup. Most people don't know they're poor until somebody prophesied that they were going to be wealthy. Oh, don't shout me down because I'm teaching good. Most people don't know these things until somebody come prophesy to them. Then all of a sudden they're frustrated because prophetic people are among the most frustrated people on planet Earth because they believe everything God said should happen now. And they don't understand right in the middle of prophecy and fulfillment is process. And we live in a world that is trying its best to technology, to build technology around process. All of the products we have today are faster ways to get an outcome that would have taken a long time to get. Do you remember Kodak? Who's here? Who here is? You remember Kodak? You took it on holiday. You took a picture. And it you know, it sounded like somebody was speeding out of the lens every time you took a picture. And then you had to take it to somebody, and that person had to put it in a dark room. And then you had to wait a week to two weeks for the negative to become a positive. Come on. Come on, because some people are so negative, God has to stick you in a dark room just so you can develop. I know I'm not going to get many amens on this, but our God is a God of process. He knows how to turn a negative. He just needs to stick you in a dark place. And so now, instead of Kodak, we have Instagram, which comes from Instantgram. 
And now we no longer need process. Before, when we wanted the news, we'd have to wait till 6 p.m. Now we can get the news anytime we want. Before, when we wanted to let uh, James elaborate on how much we didn't, how much, let him know how much we didn't like his message, we would send him a letter and we would wait three days for the, because, you know, we won't pay first class, we pay second. <laughs> so we wait three days for our criticism to reach his office. Now we just go on his YouTube. Come on now. And we instantly let him know how we feel about him, his truth, his revelation. Because we're in an instant generation. And we have built technology to mitigate process. And the problem is we don't know that the more we build technology around process, it never changes the fact that our God is still a God of process. He will still take you through the wilderness to get to the promised land. He will still take you through the prison to get you to the palace. He is still a God of process, and part of the prophetic has got to be to teach people that they cannot manipulate their season to change. That every season is important to God. The prison is just as important as Potiphar's house. You learn things in the prison that you can never learn in Potiphar's house. Because everything is a lesson for where the Spirit of God wants to take you to next. And if you don't have prophecy, you will die in the chapters of life, and you'll never finish out the season. Prophecy, let me give you my definition of prophecy. Prophecy is the spoiler alert. Have you ever loved a football match and somebody comes and tells you, oh, don't worry, Arsenal lost? Why did you do that? Well, what's wrong with you? Right? Or your favorite, tea, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy. You sat down and watched it. Who here watches Grey's Anatomy so we can know where we need to cast out demons tonight? Okay. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But have you ever watched Grey's Anatomy? And, you know, you have to, somebody comes and says, oh, don't worry, uh, uh, Sloan dies or Shepherd dies or whatever. And you just go, why did you tell me that? That's prophecy. Prophecy is God declaring the end from the beginning, not the process. Prophecy is God declaring the end from the beginning, not the process. And so he will tell you about Joseph, about the things that are going to bow down to you and all that stuff. But nowhere in the dream did God share with him that he was going to be accused of rape. Nowhere in the dream did God share with him that he was going to be betrayed by his brothers. And so my message today, and I have a 2020 word, and this is my 2020 word. Here it is. It's Romans chapter 8. God is getting ready to make all things Work together for good. To those that love him and to those that are called according to whose purpose? His purpose. There are some takeaways from this prophetic word. If you'll let me unpack it for a second. There are some takeaways to this prophetic word. And I know it doesn't sound prophetic, but it will in a minute. God will make all things work together for good, not for your good. you got to read it when you get home. I know we sing all things are working for my good. Actually, the Bible says all things are working for good. To those that love him and are called according to 
his purpose. And so this time I was reading this, I was asking God, what's the prophetic word? And God said, it's Romans 8. I'm making all things work together for good. And I read it. I said, amen. Thank you, God, because there's some things I want you to work out for my good. And he said, no, I'm making all things work together for good. I said, yeah, yeah, I get that, my good. And he goes, no, 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 for, for good. I said, well, God, what do you mean for good? And he said, well, tell me, what if, now get this. Part of me working things out for good means, for those that love me, means that some of those that love me are people that don't love you. He said, what if those people whose good I'm working out love me but hate you? I said, God, I don't know about that. That's not working it out for my good. And he said, I'm not working it out for your good. I'm working it out for good. See, when the amens go down, because now we're talking about your enemies, you're like, oh, she can't have a I don't like this word. All things are not working for your good. All things are working for good to those that love him and according, according to his purpose. And by good, God even means some of your in-laws. Oh, yes, especially mama-in-law. All things are working together for good to those that love him and accord according to his purpose. So when God is working out everything, he is not just working out Joseph's good. He's even working out the good of the people who betrayed him and And tried to kill him. Because it's not working for your good. It's working for good. To those that love him. Because when you love him, you can forgive them. Because you understand his narrative. That God will use mentors. And he will use tormentors. And they're both mentors. And when you understand heaven's narrative, they're not enemies, they're destiny helpers. They're, they're free advertising. Because God will work all things together for good to those that love him and accord according to his purpose. I believe that Joseph was sitting in that prison, stewing away for years, asking God to set him out of that prison. And the Bible says, until the word of the Lord tried him, God kept him in that prison. Because there comes a time where the prophecy has got to try you. You're trying the prophecy, but you don't know the very prophecy you're trying is trying you. Because if God told you you're going to be a business person, but you're stingy, you're going to stay in that prison. Because the prophecy has got to try you. Hello? So he will let you stay there a little bit longer until what you're trying to try tries you, until it proves you, until it determines who you're going to be. And Joseph came out of that prison when he finally realized why God kept him in that prison. He sees the brothers that tried to kill him, and he said, you meant this for harm, but God meant this for good, not for his good, for good. Because God is working, in 2020, God is working all things together. And that means 
some of those enemies, you prayed those David prayers against, you know, gnash their teeth, God, knock them out, God. God's going to bring them into your 2020. And you're going to see them with 2020 vision. You're going to see them with the eyes of heaven and not with the eyes of the flesh. And God is going to command you to walk in a higher level of forgiveness than is humanly possible. And then God is going to reward them from your harvest. I'm preparing you in advance. So when it happens, you don't go, why are they here, God? I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> thought we spoke about this. Now, I know you guys are probably, I want to give some credence to some of the things I'm talking about. So just very quickly, I want to, I want to give a, a backdate, if you will, because I think there's, therefores are only as solid as the wherefore. Every therefore has a wherefore. And if I can't take you back a little bit, then we have no reference to go forward. And so I just want to take you back a little bit to some of the things that we've already seen taking in place in the nations. Because if you're not careful, you will think that God is not winning. And the truth is, God is winning even when the church feels like they're losing. Because God has a narrative, and the narrative of heaven is the prophetic. The language of heaven is the prophetic. The news of heaven is the prophetic. And when the church becomes prophetic, we break free from the system. And what do I mean by the system? I don't mean prophetic as in thus saith the Lord. I mean prophetic as in you begin to find yourself in God's prophetic calendar. What do I mean? Find yourself in God's prophetic calendar. The most powerful people on the face of planet Earth today are people who can find themselves in the Word of God. Here's, here is Jesus. He opens the Bible. He looks at it and he says, The Spirit of God is upon me. The Lord has anointed me. He sent me. And then he closed the book. So today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Fulfillment is the manifestation of kingdom advancement. Every time a prophecy gets fulfilled, the kingdom of heaven has advanced. The church should celebrate. Every time there is prophetic fulfillment, the church should celebrate. But every time there was prophetic fulfillment, the number one people, that person that criticized prophetic fulfillment was the church. So when Jesus was born, Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled. The church looked and said, this? So God had to send shepherds and three wise. Well, the actual word there is magi. Did you know that? God sent magi. Magi is where we get the word magician from. I know I'm going to mess you up right here. God didn't send Christians to the birth of Jesus. He sent magicians. The birth of Jesus would have looked like a Hogwarts school. Here's some shepherd boys and here's some magicians and they show up. How do we know they're magicians? Because they were following his star. 
They found him through spiritual forces, not through scripture. They said, there's a star. Where did that star come from? Let's go follow that star. And they found Jesus. It's amazing how the kingdom of darkness can be more discerning as to the times of the spirit than the body of Christ. Because every time there's prophetic fulfillment, the church is too busy criticizing the prophets, too busy analyzing the prophets. Oh, prophets no longer exist, you know. Prophets died in the Old Testament. They died, you know, the, the, the scripture says that, uh, that Christ came and he fulfilled the law and the prophets. So, Tommy, you've got to stop prophesying. And I say, no. Because Joel said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Ephesians says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Prophecy doesn't cease until Christ returns. Until then, there are prophecies hanging in the earth waiting for you and I to partner with them to fulfill them. Kings came to the birth of Jesus. Why? Because they were discerning to the time of prophetic fulfillment. At a time where others were saying, we're losing. The Jews are losing. Everything's going wrong. Here comes these kings. And they say, Jesus is here. The hope of glory is here. It's time. Judas is looking, going, are we going to take back Rome? Jesus is like, this isn't about Rome. It's about the kingdom advancing. And if we measure kingdom advancement carnally, we will miss kingdom advancement when it comes. Here's another one, Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up with the 12 and he says, These men are not drunk as you presume. This is that which was foretold. Did you see it? Fulfillment. I will pour out my spirit on. Help me with this. Say it again. Look at the person next to you and say, That means you too. Okay, find somebody who looks less suspicious and tell them that means you too. God is getting ready to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So that means Acts chapter 2 was not about praying in tongues. Maybe I'll preach over here. I don't know what's happening over here. Acts chapter 2 was not about praying in tongues. It had nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with that. Because when prophetic experiences are manifested, people don't discern prophetic experiences. So it takes a prophet to tell you what the prophetic experience means. So here's a prophetic experience. There was dew on the floor, and there was a small round thing. And the people looked at the small round thing, and they called it manna. Manna means, what is that? Moses stood up as a prophet and said, this is that. Are you with me? This is the bread you've been praying for. This is what was prophesied was coming the next day. Don't call it manna. Because God will pour it out in the form of his desire, not in the form of your desire. And the thing about God is God will never do anything in the earth without revelation. And so if you throw out the prophets... You throw out revelation. I'm going to talk over here. This side slept. Because prophets are the conduits and the vessels and the stewards of divine revelation. For God says, I do nothing unless I reveal my secret to my servant, the prophets. So the prophets carry the revelation. Now hear this. 
The reason people criticize revelation is because God is obligated to give you a revelation. He is not obligated to give you an explanation. Who's alive here? This side is still alive. I don't know what happened. I keep going over there hoping for something, but he's just still. Okay, so I'm going to say it. God is obligated to give you a revelation. He's not obligated to give you an explanation. So God will prophesy Jesus is coming. And then here comes this guy with his hair out looking casual. And they say, is that it? you got to explain to me, God, because I don't recognize this. And God's like, I'm not obligated to give you an explanation. Only a revelation. Are you hearing this? And so many people don't move on, on the prophetic word that they last received because they're still waiting for an explanation. I like this side. <laughs> Explanations don't come in the prophetic until you get to the place that the prophetic told you to get to. I like this sign. Watch this. So God says, Abraham, get out of your father's house. Where are we going? To a place I will show you. Where? I'll show you when you get there. Where are we going? I'll show you. I'll tell you. When we get there. When we get there, I'll explain it to you. But until you go. How are you hearing this? Because... God knows that if he explains it to you, you won't go. Because if he sat down and he was to, you know, sit down with you and say, well, we're going to go to Egypt. Your brother's going to sell you into slavery. Don't worry about that. You're going to be accused of rape, uh, minor technicality. You're going to be thrown in a prison. No, don't worry about that. And then you're going to get there. Let's go. Let's go. Hello. He's too smart to tell you. And so, for so many of you, you're here tonight because you need another prophecy. Because you want clarity. But you don't realize clarity comes with journey. Oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Clarity doesn't come with sitting where you are. That's called analysis. And the thing about analysis is it always leads to paralysis. I like this side. I'm going to stay right here. Hello? analysis is analysis always leads to paralysis. It will keep you comfortable studying the water, studying the moon. Well, how's this water going to hold me up? How's it going to hold me up? How's it going to... And when he studied the waves, he began to sink. Are you hearing me today? So God is not obligated to give you an explanation. He is obligated to give you a revelation because a revelation will always predicate a tribulation. And when you act as if something strange is happening to you in the tribulation, it's because you didn't hear the revelation properly. Because Satan, and then the worst thing you can do to God is tell him, why is this happening to me? Because God knows something, and the enemy knows something that you don't yet know. Can I tell you? Oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, can I tell you? Okay. Satan will never fight you on the basis of who you think you are. 
he will always fight you on the basis of who God said you are. And so you're saying, why is this happening to me? But you don't know who you are. So we all look at Goliath and we say, this is really unfair. David said, this is a fair fight. Hang on a second. Because the enemy don't fight you on who you think you are. He fights you on who God says you are. So if God calls you his son, the enemy is going to fight you on sonship. If God calls you prosperous, the enemy is going to send the spirit of poverty against you. And he's going to harass you financially. He's going to make sure fines get on your car everywhere you park. Oh, come on, help me now. Because he is there to contradict the revelation, to discourage you. So prophets predicate the next move of God. And when you get rid of the prophet, you get rid of revelation. When you get rid of revelation, the church resources its next truth in recycled truth. When the church is recycling truth, they hit a place called religion. Religion is what happens when revelation has expired. When revelation has expired, because every revelation has an expiration. It does. It's called fulfillment. When it's fulfilled, the revelation has expired. It has expired. It's been fulfilled. Now, it doesn't die. It becomes a platform for the next thing God wants to do. And every time a revelation expires, if you don't know what's next in the revelation of God or in the experience of God, which is revelation, revelation is the experience of God, when you understand his experiences of things in life, you move into another dimension of living. And what I mean is, positionally, you can be in a prison, but dimensionally, you're in a launching place for greatness. Are you hearing this? Because when you, when you understand revelation truth, you, you carry peace in a storm. You know, Paul used the prison to become the greatest author that ever lived, because he understood this was his waiting room. This is a place God tempts him for greatness. And so... So across the years, God has been pouring out divine revelation after divine revelation to bring us to this moment. The first revelation, and it's not just through me, please don't understand, you know, I'm not the only prophet, nor do I assume to be England's prophet, but I I carry part, and whatever part I carry, I want to give and and join it to somebody else's part. So the first truth God began to pour out um, was that we were coming into a season that God spoke to me about called um, the exodus from Europe. And the Lord gave me this word a year before Brexit happened. He called it the exodus from Europe. And the exodus from Europe, God paralleled it to the exodus in the Bible. You know, I'm not here to question your theology or your political viewpoint. Are we in or are we out? I'm a remainer. I'm a lever. God doesn't use our worldly language. When God speaks about Brexit to me, he calls it the rebirth of the nation. Whenever the Lord 
tells me about the nation. He calls it the, the rebirth. He says, how's my rebirth going? How's the rebirth going? Because, you know, this is why prayer meetings like this are so important because the Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her child. Nations can be born in a day where there's intercession on ground. And I'm telling you, there have been a couple of words since this, and I've shared them with James and publicly. Some of you may have seen them on YouTube. Spirit of God spoke to me in Leeds, actually. And he said to me in Leeds, just up here, I always hear God clearer in the north. I don't know why. Maybe God lives here. <laughs> but here I was in Leeds, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said to me, he said to me, Theresa May is getting ready to resign, and I'm getting ready to raise up her replacement. And he said, her replacement will rise up in the mantle of Winston Churchill. And I met um, James in a church in London, and he called me up. I was sitting at the back trying to hide. <laughs> he said, hey, Tommy, come up and prophesy. I was like, I don't even know if the pastor will believes or will let me prophesy. And so I asked the pastor, I said, you know, please forgive my brother James, we're Nigerians. Um, <laughs> well, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. We kind of add our name there, too. So... Um, is it okay if I just share? And he said, go ahead. And I shared there that I believe God's going to raise up Boris Johnson as the next prime minister of the UK and that he was going to be a bridge leader for the nation. And I put the word out on YouTube and went um, all over the place and I got some instant messages from people telling me what they really thought about me. <laughs> and... Um, and, but, you know, fulfillment always silences the voices. It does. When prophecy comes to pass, who's going to argue? It's happened. So, my job, I believe, is just to release what the Spirit of God has because we need to start raising up the prophetic voices for the nation because when prophetic voices rise up, opinions die. When Elijah said, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? When prophets rise up, opinions die. I just remembered, and I, I, I got to read this to you, because the Lord reminded me of this whilst I was sitting here. January, and I write all my prophetic words on my iPad. I'm a 21st century prophet, so please, please forgive me. January 25th, 2019, at 7.32, the Lord showed me a vision, and it says... I will remove the lock from the land of Matlock. No longer will it be known as a region forgotten or locked off from the rest of the UK. For the forgotten place shall be remembered again, says the Lord. And there shall be sandbags being prepared for another flooding. I don't know if God is making an old flooding synonymous with a supernatural flood or that there will be another call to protect goods and evacuate properties. I mean, know just five days ago, there was flooding in Matlock. This is that. Are you hearing this? And think about this, that God used this flooding as a synonym for a flooding that he wanted to release in the north of England again. That there is something so strong coming to the north. There is a revival there is an awakening. There is a tipping point that's coming and is already here in the north of England 
that is going to shake this place, that is going to revive this place, and there's going to be a river that's going to flow from the north all the way to the south. And I'm telling you, God is getting ready to raise up the kind of movements in this region again that will cause the waters to flow in the nation. And, and so you are positioned here for a strategic purpose. And I believe in 2020, you're getting ready to see things that you have been believing God for years beginning to burst forth suddenly. Amen. I'm almost done, and, and then we're going to, some, someone's like, well, hurry up and prophesy. So I'm almost done. It's like, this is great, Tommy, but, you know, that's not why we're here. Okay. You know, prophetic fulfillment is the manifestation of what God's doing. And every time God fulfills a prophecy, he sends the prophet again to instruct people about what the fulfillment means. Because even the fulfillment needs an explanation once it's been fulfilled. And so when the church looked at Pentecost, they said, I get it, they're drunk. When the world looked, sorry, they said, yep, they're drunk. When the church looked, they said, I get it. You know, it's, it's about shaking and running around the room and and grandma's wig falling off as she gets excited and she catches the Holy Ghost. That's what Pentecost is about. We got it. We got this Pentecost thing. And if we're not careful, we will define the move of God by the experience and we'll miss the moment. See, when the trees blow, we call it the wind. And it's not the wind, it's the effect of the wind on the trees. When God shakes a place or when God moves in a place, Acts 2 wasn't the first time there was earthquake, wind, and fire. First Kings, Elijah was praying, and then there was an earthquake. Then there was fire. Then there was wind. Might it be that we have defined the move by the experience and not by the, the moment? It says, and the Lord passed by and there was a wind. But Elijah was discerning enough to know God's not in the wind. Then there was a fire. And Elijah said, but God's not in the fire. Then there was an earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a still, small voice. There are people in this room who say, well, you know, God, I just wish you'd show up and bring an angel into my room. And the problem with experiences, I've realized, the problem with prophetic experiences is we worship the experience. We do. Remember in Revelation, an angel shows up. Revelation 19, John worships the angel. Because you can get so caught up in the experience that you worship the experience. So God has to manifest himself in the simple. Because in the spectacular, we'll miss the message and worship the experience. For three years, my brother and I were in Northampton. And for three years, there was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit that brought so much persecution, it was ridiculous. We didn't plan this. To this day, I feel fearful about sharing this because I know there's some really strongly held, opinionated people who say, well, why did that happen? But we were in the presence of God and clouds would show up in the room without smoke machines. And all of a sudden, as the cloud showed up in the room, when the cloud lifted, there were these children who came to the meetings, like my son, running around the floor, but they were covered in gold. Wow. 
every single time. I'll never forget it. It started in a house meeting in my brother's house. And then the gold would show up in different colors, purple and blue and red. And it will be on the clothing and on the hair of these children. I remember a five-year-old girl jumped right out of the cloud. She says, look, mommy, glitter. Because he had no words for what had just happened. And people would come to me and go, well, well, well where's that in the Bible? I say, well, where are you in the Bible? <laughs> Man, it, you know, it's funny now, but we were persecuted for that experience for three years. For three years, we had re religious leaders call us the witch twins of Northampton. But kids would come home from school, and they'd go to school, and the teachers would say, why are you guys covered in gold? You're not allowed to wear makeup in school. And the kids would say, no, it's not makeup. This happens in this meeting we go to. And before you know it, revival broke out. But can I tell you what also happened? People came for the gold and not for God. It did. It brought thousands, hundreds of people. But all of a sudden, people started gathering. And they're like, they, instead of worshiping, they're looking at themselves. <laughs> and we started to seek the gold and not God. Because signs and wonders are just that, signs that make you wonder. But they're not there to take away from the wonder of God. They're there as signs to point to God. And so we began to worship the experience. And then after three years, the experience lifted. And then something even worse happened. People began to feel rejected by God. People thought, there's no more gold. God's not here anymore. So gold became the sign that he was there. And when the gold lifted, he's, he's not here anymore. And this is why I believe God gives us the simple, because we're not yet ready for the glory. Because if we get the glory, we'll worship the experience and we'll miss the moment. Thank God for Peter who stood up with the 12 and said, hey guys, we're not drunk. And this is not about grandma's wig falling off. This is that which Joel foretold that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. So the day of Pentecost really was the day of propheticost. It was the day where there would never be a believer who could not hear the voice of God. Just think about this. God was using Acts chapter 2 as a juncture to end the monopoly on revelation being held in the hands of an elite few. And he says, now I want all flesh to hear me. And I want all flesh to know me. And I want all flesh to hear my voice. And it's become my cry ever since. Ever since I understood that Acts 2 moment. To release a movement in the earth of all may prophesy. A movement that everybody can hear God's voice from the layman to the congregant to the maiden to the son to the daughter, baptized in the voice of God. Baptized. And I believe we're in that season now where God wants to accelerate our understanding to be baptized in his voice. There's so much I want more I want to share. Um, but... 2020 will be a year where God is getting ready to make all things work together for good 
to those that love him. I believe also there's going to be a, a resurrection of an understanding of, of community and not individualism. 2020 is going to be a year where God is going to show us people that we're supposed to prophetically partner with and for the fulfillment of destiny. I'm not talking about moment and season partners. I'm talking about life partners. I'm talking about Ruth and Orpahs. I mean, Ruth and Naomi is the kind that say, where you die, I'll die. Where you live, I'll live. And there will I be buried. God's getting ready to so align you with people who are not like you. They're not the same color as you. You like rap. They like rock. <laughs> Can you imagine? God coming to Mary and saying, hey, you're going to be pregnant, and you're going to carry Jesus. It's great, wonderful. And all of a sudden, as the lights dim and the music fades, <laughs> it dawns on her that she is carrying Jesus. How is she going to explain it to her friends that God got her pregnant? How is she going to tell her in-laws that God got her pregnant, and as it dawned on her that that was the case, the only person she could hang out with was an older woman called Elizabeth. Mary listened to what's that blonde girl that sings on 21? Taylor Swift. Elizabeth listened to Opera FM. Mary was Young, Elizabeth was old, and yet when they came together, their destinies kicked. Personality contradiction, but destiny alignment. And I believe that's the kind of alliances God's bringing in this next season that we got to learn to discern prophetically who those people are. Who would have thought that Ruth's next connection was a chronic Dep chronically depressed woman called Naomi who said, I'm so depressed, don't even call me Naomi anymore. I'm bitter. And Ruth claved to her. There is a cleaving season that's coming in 2020. I believe that God is going to raise up um, new wineskin churches and not churches that are conforming people to church, churches that are conforming people to Christ. And finally, I actually believe that in 2020, God's raising up prophetic silos. And this was the word he used for this. It's going to be a really interesting one. I saw the prophetic being broken down into marketplace groups. I was sitting in my car. I was on my way to Leeds. And I kept hearing this name, Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. And I thought God was telling me about Michael Jackson because I kept imagining Michael Jackson as he's saying Jackson. So I don't think I'm going to say. And as I keep hearing this name, Jackson, 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 the Lord's challenging me. So I'm driving my wife's here and he says, hey, Toby, what if I wanted to break the prophetic into silos this year? And I said, okay, great. What's a silo? And he said, what if I wanted to break the prophetic into groups, smaller groups, for greater impact. I said, great. He said, well, what if I wanted the prophetic to leave the church and not just be a part of the church? What if I wanted it to be a part of the systems? 
I said, oh, that sounds really great. He said, well, tell me, what if I wanted to raise up prophetic groups that could help uh, find missing children and work with the Metropolitan Police? I said, oh. I said God, that would be really awesome. I'm driving, and he said, well, tell me, what if I wanted to raise up prophets who could work with political figures just as... David had a seer. What if I wanted to raise up seers for different government leaders? Would you work with me? I said, God, wow, that sounds really awesome. That's great. If that's, that's, what you're, that's what you're doing. That's amazing. And he just goes, hey, tell me, what if I wanted to raise up prophets for celebrities? Would you, would you, would you think that was too far? I said, God, oh, that, yeah, that, oh, that, that's a new level for me. I don't know. There's a... <laughs> There's some, there's some, some folks I'm going to have to explain that to, you know. I'm not sure they'll like that. God kept pushing the bar further and further away from my comfort zones. He said, well, tell me, what if I wanted to raise up prophets who would work with and alongside psychics? And that's when my religious spirit said, Nope. <laughs> I just couldn't compute that. And yet Daniel was called wiser than all of the psychics, necromancers, and witches in all of Babylon. This was the genre God put the prophetic in. If you can't work along darkness because it messes with your spirit, my challenge is what's wrong with your spirit? The Bible says where light enters, darkness must bow. So everything in my religious self said, oh, I don't know about that. But then everything in my spiritual self said, well, if Daniel did it, and if Joseph did it, then God, raise it up. And all of a sudden, as I'm thinking about this and I'm pondering over this, I keep hearing this name, Jackson. So I'm like, God, who's Jackson? And he didn't tell me anything more because God is not obligated to give you an explanation. So I finally get to the house in Leeds of one of my leaders there. We run a gathering there each month. And I finally get to the house, and I'm sharing with my leader all the crazy things I'm hearing in the Spirit because I always like to weigh prophecy. I don't just kind of keep it to myself. I want, her, I want to look at her face, and I want her to say, Tommy, you have lost your mind. You know? Because that's what weighing prophecy means. It means to share it with somebody and watch their face change. That's really it. So, so I'm sharing this prophecy with her, and she's getting excited. She's like, whoo! yes that's it whoa she said Tommy you have to meet my friend I said what's his name she said Jackson <laughs> I said you would not believe it I've been driving in the car all the way here and I just kept hearing the name Jackson 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 so I meet this guy Jackson he shows up to a meeting so she calls him to the house he shows up and I said I said so what do you do he said well he said, Tommy, I've just been saved. I've just come back to the Lord in the past year, but God's got me doing some crazy things. I said, well, tell me. He said, well, we recently worked with the Metropolitan Police to help them find a missing girl. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Oh, come on. You can get more excited than that. And I, I stood there with my mouth open. I said, you did what? He said, well, we have these small prophetic prayer meetings in our house. And we lay hands on missing children. And God gave us the revelation of where the last one was. And we reported it to the police and they found her. You're not hearing this. 
Because I believe this is where we're going, church. And it's going to stretch all of us. And it's going to cause all of us to feel like Ezekiel. He takes us a little bit further out into the water. And then he takes us a little bit further out. And before you know it, he just goes, whoops. <laughs> and if you like being in control, you're not going to like 2020. Because 2020 is going to be the year of loss of control to the Holy Spirit. And God is getting ready to raise up people that will spot their connections. And the connections will be different streams. This will not be a year of denomination. This will be a year of cross-denomination and cross-pollination as people begin to recognize that we have what each other has need of. And that the, the prayer can't do it without the prophetic, and the prophetic can't do it without prayer, and the, the, the pastoral cannot do it without the evangelist, and the evangelist cannot do it without the pastoral. And everybody, there's going to be a greater cohesion as God begins to humble us to the recognition that all of us are just a part but when we come together, we make up a clearer picture. And there is a cohesion coming. I'm going to close my iPad so you know I'm done. Um, this one I saved to last because this one was a little bit more troubling for me. So please forgive me with this one. But I saw the Spirit of God say, and this was predominantly, and I don't know why I heard this like this, but I heard it very clearly like this, to begin to raise up prayer for the black churches of the UK. And I, 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 you know, I'm not one of those that divides among racial lines, so please don't hear me and hear a divisive tone. That's not my intention. But this one really troubled me. I kept seeing the enemy trying to raise up a new wave of sexual perversion in African UK churches that were not dealing with the issues of homosexuality, lesbianism, and sexual perversions of all kinds. And I felt like there was an uncovering coming for mercy's sake. And the last time I gave a word like this, I gave it in, in, in South London, and um, it wasn't a week or so after I left that Channel 4 did a documentary exposing sexual perversion in South London. And it was dark. I mean, you're talking about pastors laying on top of young girls saying, I'm transferring my anointing, but raping them. This was the most sadistic exposure I'd ever seen. And for the longest time, it brought disrepute to the church predominantly in that area. And they carried that like a, like a shame rag for a long time. And I just felt so strongly like we're coming into another year of warfare against the spirit of perversion. And, you know, part of the reason I think that is because the African church predominantly is most in denial about homosexuality and lesbianism in its midst. I think the church in general kind of thinks, well, if I just do something or ignore the issue, it will go away. But actually, this is a spirit that God has called us to confront. And, and yet, 
there's a great silence that comes upon people when we talk about this area because people think, you know, we don't deal with this and we don't talk about this. I was in a meeting. I'm not going to say this name, but I was invited to a meeting of a very prominent political figure in this nation. And I, he's an he's a African guy, but he's risen in political ranks to a place of significant status and influence. And so he invited me to come prophesy to him and his group of young black leaders that he was raising up for political change in, um, is it, where's that, Westminster? West, Westminster? So I go to his house and immediately I am hit with a wall. And it felt like, the best way I can describe it, it felt dirty. I felt like I needed a shower the moment I stepped into this precious Christian political figure's house. And he had these young men sitting there, and he was mentoring every one of them. And the Spirit of God was just speaking to me, and he said, well, he said, you know, Tommy, he's, he's slept with this one, he slept with this one, he slept with this one, he's grooming this one, he's grooming this one, he's grooming. Now, what do you do? You're in the house of a political figure, and you're asked to prophesy. And all you're seeing is all of these victims. And I'm standing there, and I'm shivering. And whenever I shiver with that level of shivering, I feel like a mantle has just come off me. I came into that place because I was excited. I'll be honest with you. I was excited by the connection to the influential figure. But the Holy Ghost didn't walk in there with me. And something in me just cracked and I realized I'm in the wrong place. And all of a sudden, because I didn't know what to do, I decided I was going to just stay until the end and pray. And as I'm sitting there, he keeps picking one. He says, let's go for one of our walks in the woods. And my spirit is still churning over this thing. Is this real? Is this really happening? Is this really true? And so I left it for about a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. And just the other day, it got exposed. And I'm, I can't, I'm not going to say his name, but just the other day, it got exposed. But I talked to Dr. Sharon for years because it haunted me. Because um, I was a victim of sexual abuse. So it, it, it's one of those things you don't want young children to go through. And so it haunted me. And I just shared it with Dr. Sharon. She said, well, you just got to pray and hope for mercy. And the thing got exposed. And after it got exposed, the Holy Spirit just cautioned me. And he said that there needs to be a dealing again with sexual issues in the body of Christ. That the censorship and the gag order by the spirit of Jezebel has got to come off. And we have got to go to war again with the spirit of Jezebel where sexual perversion has been concerned and where the mounds of the church through political correctness has been silenced against speaking truth to power. And, and let me tell you something, now is the time. If we don't rise up now in this, I think we're going to miss a very crucial window. There is a moment called too late. There is. There is a moment called too late. Thank you for tuning in to Prayer Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstorm.org.